Welcome to the Career Conversations podcast brought to you by Hunter Recruitment Group. I'm your host, Craig McGregor, and I think you're going to love today's conversation. Hunter Recruitment Group is currently engaged with Hume Community Housing. They've just won a Employer of Choice Award through the New South Wales Business Chamber, and we're trying to source around about 45 staff as they move into the, the Maitland and Port Stephens regions. One of the key people we've got to know in this project is a gentleman by the name of Rodrigo Gutierrez, and we've actually shared a bit of a kinship through through football. But more importantly, I've loved just getting to know this guy. He's He's a real thinker, he's an enjoyable character, and his passion for his customers and passion for housing just shines through. It's infectious. You'll hear that through the podcast, but more importantly, you'll hear about the twists and turns in his career and and how he got to to where he is today. More importantly, stick around till the end for his question or his answer to the Career Conversations time machine question is really insightful and thoughtful and one of my favourites. So... Sit back and enjoy a career conversation with Hume Community Housing's Rodrigo Gutierrez. Today's podcast is brought to you by Hunter Recruitment Group. People-centric recruiters, HRG looks to use technology and personal interviewing techniques to ensure the best fit possible for both the candidate and the employer. We operate labour hire and temp services for various sites, conduct permanent recruitment searches and have an innovative program we call Temp to Perm. You can find us on the web, www.hrgroup.com.au or search for us on your favourite social site, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn. Whether you're an employer looking for a fantastic new team member or you're an individual seeking their next great career move, start a conversation with Hunter Recruitment Group today. So welcome to the Career Conversations podcast, Rodrigo Gutierrez. Thanks, Craig. Thanks for having me. And I, did, I got that right. Yeah, you did. You <laughs> did. You did very well, actually. All right. So we're going to have a great chat about your com- uh, career. Um, we met recently. We're doing a bit of a project for your organisation, and it's been great to work with you. Um, why don't we start there? Tell us about what you currently do. So currently, I'm the Strategic Partnerships Manager at Hume Community Housing Association. And what that role is, basically, I'm responsible for making sure as we expand our business up into the Hunter, that we're uh, working with the right people, that we're, we know who the key stakeholders are, uh, we've engaged them, they know who we are, and we're, we're clear about how we're going to work together. Yep. So, so, so you're um, based in Western Sydney, South Western Sydney, is that right, your organisation? Yeah, that's right. So we've got three offices and they're across, um, I guess, Greater Western Sydney. Okay. Yeah. And so you're making this move to the Hunter. So as the Strategic Partnership Manager, will you stay in um, Sydney or are you going to move to the Hunter? I'm in the project team temporarily. So, so just, it's a project team to build. Yeah, build, yeah absolutely. Build. Okay, so, so it's a project team responsible for um, leading the transition yep. uh, And so uh, then phase. once you've built those partnerships, you'll hand over to someone that uh, you've found in this area. That's right. So we're, we're part of the process or the project is building a team, a local team up here to deliver our services. And at some point in the next few months, as we get closer to go live or when we open our offices, uh, I'll have the pleasure of handing over all that work, all the connections, the you know some formal agreements as well, et cetera. And so is, is that the role that you do in Sydney? Do you do, you do that currently Look, it's, it's very similar. My, my substantive role in Sydney is uh, senior manager responsible for our homelessness programs. 
and our community development team, or uh, more specifically our community cohesion team, and it comes under the umbrella of a department called Sustainable Communities and Partnerships. So the partnerships bit is quite uh, central to, to the role and the work that we do yeah, okay. uh, in Sydney, like it will be up here as well. Yeah. So tell me about those partnerships. So some of the listeners might not know what a community housing organisation does, but what sort of partnerships are you forming? Who, who are they with? Yeah, look, they're primarily with... Um, with non-government organisations or not-for-profit organisations that provide support, um, uh, provide a range of supports to our customers. So we um, we take a very sort of holistic view of our customers. We um, our primary focus is providing suitable housing for people in in need. Uh, but once that's occurred, uh, we start to look at our customers more broadly, more holistically. Um, uh, in terms of their goals and aspirations and then what we can do to work with them to connect them to opportunities to achieve those goals and aspirations. So that might be around um, particular needs that they have around, um, you know, their kids or employment or their health, um, et cetera. It's essentially allow them to succeed, whatever that looks like for that individual household. All right. So you've um, been successful in building those relationships here in the Hunter? Has it been good? Yeah, look, we've, 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 um, we've spoken to a whole range of stakeholders, not just uh, services that provide direct support to what will be our customers, uh, but also, you know, local councils. Uh, both councils have been fantastic. You know, local members of parliament. Um, we've spoken to some businesses as well. You know, we're really keen to work across, um, across a range of stakeholders, if you like. And the reception's been phenomenal, to be yeah. honest with you. I mean, everyone has been very welcoming, um, more than willing to you know, share their time and their insights. You know, one of the challenges for us is to get to understand the new community or the community that we're going to be working in. Um, and people have been awesome. And you, know, you, can, see, um, you can see the excitement yeah. from people in, in, in them. You know, Why do you think that ex- excitement is there? Look, I think, I think um, I'd like to think that part of it is about how we've approached um, our entry into this community, if you like. Um, you know, some of the common themes that we've heard also have been around, um, you know, having, uh, I guess, another, um, another option uh, for, for services and for tenants uh, in terms of someone providing services, um, and the opportunities that that will likely come with, or we're confident will come with that to do some some really interesting things, but also add value to the work that's already happening here. Mm. Tell me about because this is when when we first um, started working with your organisation. One of the challenges that I saw um, in staffing is different cultures between Western Sydney and the Hunter. Yep. Have you found that in building the partnerships? Have those, so as a, a supplier in, in Liverpool or an NGO in Liverpool, are they different to an NGO in, in Maitland? No, look, I, no, no not, not, not really. Um, not, not of any significance anyway. Okay. I, I suspect that, um, you know, like with anything, um, you, there'll be differences that are location sort of based. Um, but generally, no. No, I mean, you know, people have been... Um, you know, uh, very similar in their approaches, very similar in kind of the commitment to getting the best outcomes for, you know, for clients or tenants. Um, so no, not a huge difference. Um, I guess the, if, the, if there was a point of difference, it would be um, that generally the services up here have been much more open to change okay. um, and much more open to partnerships that you would potentially experience in, in other parts, okay. uh, and certainly in Sydney, yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, so you're in that senior partnership role, 
you're building relationships with these providers, do you get to see the end outcome? So do you, so you've got a customer that's experiencing pain or an issue and then they get, based on this relationship that you've built or this program that you've started with another organisation, there's a, a solution or there's progression in their life. Do you physically get to see that? Is that something you get to experience? Yeah, I, I, I personally don't get to see it as much as I'd like to, but certainly our frontline staff do um, and they get to see that on an everyday basis, which is part of the, the, the great thing about working uh, for human in the community housing sector is that they get to see that. Um, and they get to see that because of the quality of the work that they do, but also the opportunity to provide support um, over a longer period of time than mm. what probably some other services may be able to afford. Yep. Um, and so, you know, as I was saying, for us it's about providing suitable housing, but then looking at them more holistically and looking at them holistically throughout their length of their tenancy, however long that is. Yeah. Well, um, so, so the opportunity to see the impact of of the work is, is probably a bit greater than if you're working in other places, which, yeah. is, which is fantastic. Well, that was, was kind of a bit of a leading question because I was going to ask, why, why do you do what you do? Like, if you're building these relationships and you can't tangibly yeah. see it as much, you know, why do you do what you do? Um, look, I do it because, um, well, I enjoy it. Um, it. It's largely based around the, the acknowledgement that um, you know, we most many of our customers are, are in really complex situations and have a whole range of needs. Um, and as 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 um, as great as I believe our service is, we can't be everything to everyone, um, and we can't um, respond to everyone's needs. And that's why working in collaboration with others is really important for us because no one organisation is going to be able to fulfil all yep. the requirements of of a person or a household. And so we acknowledge that there's, and then there's other organisations that have expertise that we don't, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why partnerships and collaboration uh, is really important for us. It's a recognition that we can't be everything to everyone. Others are better placed to provide um, support or opportunities um, and that collectively we can have a greater impact mm. than if we went and tried to do things on our own. Yeah. So you dodged my question though. Why does Rodrigo do it? <laughs> I do it because... Um, I love the opportunity to set up, um, uh, I guess, arrangements where um, where we can create those opportunities for our yeah, customers. It must be I, cool. I love, I love, um, I love the challenge of, of 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 working with people who, you know, we have a you know have a common goal, but potentially different approaches, bringing people together agreeing on a common goal, agreeing on how we're going to achieve that goal and working towards that and actually achieving that. You yep. know, if you bring, if you think about bringing multiple organisations together um, and developing strong relationships, you know, the power of that in terms of the opportunities that that creates, that's why I love doing that, because yep. of the opportunities that created by building strong partnerships and working strongly with others. Yeah, okay. So yeah. I, I reckon it'd be really, like, cool to do. Like, I... I I've worked in your sector for a long time and I've, I've always loved it in terms of what the values that your area brings. But in particular, what you do, I, and I'm going to ask you for an example, to, to, to go and find an organisation like locally, like use an example, um, Carrie's Place or someone like that, and go, let's work together and create a program to help people who are suffering from domestic violence and let's, let's do something really creative or educational or mm. whatever to try and reduce that impact on your community 
give me a, give me an example of something cool that you've done. Who's, who's a good partnership that you've created and how it's worked? Oh, uh, um, on the spot. <laughs> on the spot. That's a great question. Um, look, I um, I guess I'll reflect back on on. Uh, it doesn't have to be in the hunter. No, it's, it was a my previous role coming to Hume was with Department of Family and Community Services, and and I spent about seven years working with them, um, basically doing place-based initiatives, or what they call back then in in the department um, community regeneration projects. And so I was a community regeneration manager responsible for place-based. So what projects. does that mean? Well, essentially. Um, uh, throughout New South Wales, there's areas of high concentrations of, of public housing. Um, in the old days, we were called housing estates. Yep. Um, and it was a sort of a, you know, at one point, the department and government r- realised or recognised that in those particular areas, you needed a concentrated effort in terms of, you know, looking at the key issues for that community, um, getting engagement, getting collaboration, coordinating services, and trying to st- actually start the shift you know, the, the, the outcomes for, for those communities. They're really disadvantaged communities. So it's about looking at a particular geographical location and everything that's going on there and actively working with the key stakeholders to agree on, including the people who live there, agree on what the challenges are, how we're going to address those challenges collectively and then getting on with the business yep. of, of, um, of addressing them. And it has a, you know, like it has a physical environment fo- focus, it has a social, economic, et cetera, et cetera. So I had the pleasure of, uh, of doing that in, in, a, in a suburb, a cu- two suburbs, the joint suburbs in Campbelltown, um, you know, a, a local government area in the MacArthur region, southwest Sydney. Um, and so I got the opportunity uh, as a community regeneration manager to work with a whole range of services and, and residents, community leaders, to start to really think, you know, have a discussion about what was going on in that community. Been a few incidents, you know, some what they call social disturbances, um, and you know things were print looking pretty bleak. So, you know, I, I was privileged enough to work with a range of services, community leaders, to have a look at what the issues were and what we could do to try and address it, and you know, settle the community down a bit if you like, and then look at kind of pushing onwards and that way. You know, part of those partnerships allowed me to, you know, set up a, a community space, a community centre in that. Um, in that community, uh, you know, a space where people feel comfortable coming in and connecting with uh, other residents, with services. You know, I worked with the Benevolent Society um, quite significantly in that area. They had another major place-based project there. Um, you know, I worked with Aboriginal uh, organisations, Thurlwell, which is an Aboriginal corporation there. I worked with Aboriginal elders, um, the police, um, the local schools, the local health service. Um, the local community services, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and sorry, I'm probably no. not answering your question exactly, but it, but the, the great thing about it was being able to work with a range of people to uh, decide on a common goal, including the people who live there who are most affected and move towards well, that. Really, that's a really... If you described a really diverse stakeholder base, how do you manage that? How do you... How does Rodrigo um, build a relationship with an Aboriginal elder, with a politician, with a uh, customer or a tenant of a public housing? They're all different yeah, people. Yeah. How do you manage that? Bit? Um, 
respect. Yep. Number one. How do you gain that respect? Because it must be oh, hard. Look, it's by respect, respect is earned. Yeah, 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 yeah. By showing respect. Yeah. By, by showing respect, by listening to people. Yep. You know, I was always clear working in that community that um, I I didn't live there. Uh, I, yeah. I was a guest, if you like. Yep. Um, and and an invited guest, uh, if you like, as well. So I was I was very clear that. Um, you know, and I, I was in a position where I wasn't the one being impacted by what was going on there. So I needed to really understand what was happening there. And the only way you can do that is by listening, mm. by talking to people and listening and really listening to what they have to say. The other thing that I think allowed me to develop the respect and be able to play the, I guess, the coordination role and the role that I did was that um, I, I did what I, what I said I would do. Yeah, okay, yeah. you delivered. Yeah, yeah, I delivered. So I never promised anything that I knew I couldn't deliver. I never, um, um, I never, uh, what's the word for it? Um, you know, if the answer was no to something, it was a very, with a very clear explanation. Yep. Um, I never... So you didn't set up false expectations. That's right, yes. Um, you know, I, I didn't um, stuff people around. If I said I was going to do something, I did it. Um, and fortunately, I was working with some amazing people and we were able to do that, what we did, um, quite well. And so people would see that, you know, we were quite genuine in the work that we were doing. And, you know, after a while, and that we weren't going away either. Yeah. Uh, because part of the challenge in working in those kind of communities is that there's lots of what they call kind of fly-by-night. As you know, people would come in, yeah, okay. um, say, Get hey, some you know, funding. yeah, you know, and they're around for a year, two years, three yeah, years. Gone. Unfortunately, that's the, the funding cycle, and then the program finishes and they're yeah. gone. Um, or they come in one week and they're gone the next. We just didn't go away. Yeah, you know, and people um, started to realise that we were fair income. Like we 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 meant what we what we said. Um, and eventually people came around to us and started to engage and then a conversa respectful conversation started and that's how we started to gain trust, respect and then that's how people allowed us to, um, um, to take and play the role that we played in that community because, yeah. because of that trust. That, and so that were you we working for the government then as well? Yeah. So I'm guessing that would be a stumbling block for some tenants or customers that you, you're, the, you're the, the government, you're the, the, the baddie type, yeah, type yeah, character. So that you probably would have had to prove yourself a little bit there as well. Yeah, maybe. absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I, can't, I can't repeat some of the things <laughs> that people said to us. Um, we were there, but you know, I used to say to my staff and the people that we work with is that you know, no matter where you are, you always say hello, hmm. right? Regardless of what the response is, you just keep on saying hello. You treat people with respect. Eventually, you're gonna get a hello back. And next yep. thing you know, you're going to know their name. They're going to know your name, and away we go. But yeah, it did take a bit. It did take a bit. And one of the things that we did, we weren't, you know, we weren't hiding the fact that we were a government. Uh, we were we were government employees, or we were we worked for the Department of Family and Community Services, um, particularly housing specifically. But we didn't kind of push it either. You know, mm -hmm. and it wasn't you know it wasn't very visual in the space that we created. You know, we came up with a with a name that the community kind of um, the, the community came up with a name for the space, and then we gave it an Aboriginal name, yeah, okay. uh, which the like one of the local elders um, uh, gave us permission to use, and so it just became a community space, and mm. people started to forget that it was actually a, a government-funded or run yep. program. Uh, because they, you know, they saw other residents or tenants in there. They saw services that they work with. It just became a, a kind of general space. So process that your organisation's going through now or the, the contract so it's kind of what you're describing there is well what you're doing is moving from facts to Hume do you think that there's going to be an advantage for you guys as not being facts to come in and 
have a different brand, have a different experience for the customers? Do you think that'll be a positive or a negative? Look, I think um, um, I think it will be a positive, not to suggest that um, the service that was being provided by Pax was a negative. I just think more about branding, like is yeah, it in the yeah. psyche. Look, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how um, how people respond. So far, people's response has been really positive. positive. Um, don't know how much people understand yep. um, the community housing sector. They certainly understand, you know, a government agency providing yeah. um, housing and tenancy management, but I don't know how much they understand about us. Mm-hmm. Um, but once they do, I think, yeah, it'll be a real positive because I'll get to kind of, you know, one of the great things for us is that we get the opportunity and a, probably a bit more flexibility to do things differently and and to um, be a little bit more um, creative in, in what, what we do and how we respond to uh, issues and the way that we work with you know, tenants and services and all that kind of yep. stuff. And I think that'll be really exciting for people. So that's that word creatives. When I think of Rodrigo, that word comes to my mind. Um, all the conversations we've had, is that what excites you about your partnership role, getting creative with, with partners? And that's kind yeah, of why yeah. I asked that, give me an example question. Yeah, yeah. Is, Look, that, it, is that one of your drivers, do you think? Yeah, it is, because um, because if you're, if you're solutions-focused, you have to be creative. You know, you're dealing with really complex problems, yep. uh, really complex issues, and, and there's no one formula, uh, you know, not to kind of... Um, um, be simplistic in explanation of other sort of disciplines or careers or professions and stuff. You know, there, there's, you know, it's, others are kind of a very structured, you know, there's a structured approach to fixing things or responding to problems. In, you know, in this field, um, the, comp- the, the, the issues are complex and it, there's no one solution fits all kind of thing. So, so, you know, and then there's challenges around resourcing as well. So you have to be creative. You have to kind of think outside the square to get you know, a solution that's going to work for that particular community. You know, what you do in one community may not necessarily work in the next. You know, yeah. we're not coming up to the hunter, for example, thinking that if we do exactly what we did over yeah. there, we're going to have the same success. Mm. We're confident in the service that we provide. In essence, we provide a good service, which is why we won the contract. But we understand that really, at the end of the day, our, our response is going to be um, reflective has to be reflective of that local community and mm. the local needs. All right, so let's go back to um, prior. So you mentioned, so you've been with Hume. You mentioned before you spent some time with um, the government. Let's yeah. go back to school school age, Rodrigo. What, okay. what did you want to do before you left school? Did you have a vision uh, for look, yourself? I, I I did I didn't. Um, I, when I tell this story, when I get asked this question, and I tell this story. My, the common response is, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I and do you no know what? Idea. Not a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. What I did know, though, Craig, is I knew what I didn't want to do. Ah, oh, yeah. wow. There's it's, a lesson. That this is you, you, You're preaching to the choir. This is how, <laughs> when I do career transition with people who have been made redundant, yeah. one of the first things we do is I say, write a list of everything you don't want to do. And it's, and it's simple things like, say, for miners, for example, they may have worked shift work their whole lives. Yeah. It might be, I don't want to work weekends anymore. Or I don't want to work night shift. Just that sort of stuff. So yeah. then we can start to funnel what's the positive. So that's really good. So you knew what you didn't want. What didn't you want to do? Look, I, I knew, um, I mean, I, you know, uh, I assume you're going to get to the point where you're going to ask me about school. Um, <laughs> you know, I went to a pretty tough school in yeah, South okay. Sydney. And, yep. Uh, tough in that, um, you know, I grew up in an area where there wasn't a lot of opportunities and, uh, you know, our teachers' unfortunately attitude reflected that. Plus, we, you know, we were migrant kids and there was particular views about us and all that kind of stuff. And so um, 
I don't know. I just, uh, I, in, I had it. My dad was the first that went to university in his family, and so education was a big thing for him. Yep. Um, and he always impressed that on us. Uh, but you know, it, it was a kind of tough area to be successful in, if you know what I mean. Not a lot of opportunities. So I, in my mind, I had that in the back of my mind, and I knew that I would, I needed to strive for something big, whatever that was, or something of significance, something that would make my parents proud, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would make me happy. Yeah. Um, so in answer to your question, I knew that I didn't want to um, do like a labour-intensive yep. job. Wasn't right? you. Um, wasn't me, labour. Or, or working in a factory, just wasn't. Just I knew it just wasn't me. If you asked me back then why, I probably wouldn't have been able to explain it. I just knew yeah. that it wasn't something that was going to be of interest for me. So that kind of, I knew that that, that wasn't for me in that, um, the alternative to that, whatever that looked like, required a uh, you know Some high education. level of education. Yeah, yep. absolutely, absolutely. So I left school, uh, did really badly in my HSC, uh, and pretty much did nothing for the next two years, except have a pretty good time. Uh, luckily, had some very patient and supportive parents. Still do, uh, very grateful for that. Um, and then eventually found my way. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so what was that? So did you go to uni? I did eventually. It's funny. I I um I I knew what I didn't want to do. wasn't clear what I wanted to do. But I was really good at social sciences in high school. Really good. Um, did really well in the things that interest me. Really mm. badly in the things that didn't. You know, common story. Yep. Um, and uh, finished high school. Had no idea what I was going to do. Didn't have a lot of options. Did really badly in my HSC, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then, um, you know, I did some part-time jobs. I tried to explore sort of... What sort of things were you doing? Oh, look, I, um, the main thing that I did was I was a pizza delivery. Yeah, cool. Uh, driver, yeah. So I, I washed dishes at Sizzler. Yeah, Got yeah, to start so somewhere. I did that. And it was great. I mean, you know, it, it kind of, um, you know, it afforded me um, the, the space, I guess, to kind of work through what I need to, whatever it was that I need to work through and realise what I wanted to do and all that kind of stuff. And it, you know, brought a bit more cash in and all that kind of stuff. Uh, kept my parents off my back, all those things. <laughs> um, and so, so I, I, I did a bit of that. And then funny enough, um, my mum started doing volunteer work um, at a local community centre. Um, and I don't know if it was her being a genius and kind of connecting the dots, uh, uh, Quite possibly it is my mum, uh, connecting the dots and going... You should come and help. But, you know, she was there doing volunteer work. She thought, well, it's better than me being at home. Hmm. Why don't you come and volunteer? So I did. Um, and I started volunteering and I realised uh, how much I enjoyed working with the community. Yep. Um, and then when I, when my kind of understanding of, of, of uh, community development and community work... I was going to ask, did you... When you were at school, social sciences, passionate, successful, did you think there'd be a career in community no, and social? So you didn't, we weren't no, aware. There was no, no awareness. No, absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to kind of sound like I've got a chip on my shoulder, but really, like, teachers really had no yeah. no expectations or hope for us. I mean, I, you know, I, was, I, I did really well in, in the social science subjects and was an A grade student, and, um, and I remember. Uh, I remember having a conversation in my legal studies class. Uh, the conversation started about going to university, um, which is always in the back of my mind because my dad 
And, um, and I got really excited because I was doing really well in that class and I kind of equated doing well in that class and some others as having a good chance of going to university. So I said to the teacher, um, so do you think that I will go to university? And he looks at me and goes, you? Nah. Wow. Yeah. So that, that's the kind of responses that, that we were getting. So career, you know, we'd go to a career expo, for example. I remember going to one, could have gone to more. But no one ever said to me, um, you know, Rod, you're, you're really good at the social science. Have you thought about yeah. becoming a community worker or a community development worker? Never, never, ever, ever, ever. It was always, you know, the trades, um, if you were that way inclined or if you were smart enough and, and you were kind of had the capacity to get the grades, you know, the usual lawyer, te- uh, yeah. doctor, whatever, whatever. Hey, what was the degree your dad got? He had a degree, or sorry, still does, in metallurgy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Actually, he's got multiple degrees. That's the only one that I can remember. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's interesting. You, you mentioned that that uh, when you were talking there about parents and and careers, and they do influence us. And yeah. so you're being influenced. My dad's gone and got a degree. I think I can go and do that. Hey, teacher, do can I do that? Whereas yeah. you know, someone whose father's a tradie or whatever, they might be looking up to them and going, "I'm going to do that as well." So yeah, yeah. So for you, the pathway wasn't really clear. But you wanted to kind of explore it, but the the interesting bit is it wasn't shown to you. It wasn't. There was no. No. Here no. is a pathway. You've no. just discovered it yourself. Absolutely. Well, you know, initially through my mum, and yeah. then you know I got the opportunity to work some really with some really cool um, people at this community organisation, this community centre that I was volunteering at, and then you know, and then discovered that that I could, because um, uh, at that, uh, that stage I had no chance of going to university. Um, that I could go to TAFE mm-hmm. and, and do, you know, an associate diploma in community... Uh, so there's I think another pathway. Social sciences. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so this, this whole new pathway that, uh, you know, was, I was, uh, I've always been aware of TAFE and I generally understood what they offered and, and that pathway generally, but I didn't realise that there was one in terms of the kind mm-hmm. of work that I wanted to do. So that, you know, I got encouraged. I had some really good mentors. Um, and doing voluntary work was like probably one of the best decisions career-wise that I've, that I've made yep. because um, it's, you know, it's an easy power, it's an easy way to get into, to get experience. Everyone wants experience now, but well, no one's going to um, give you a chance kind of thing. In the US, they internship is like normally a voluntary type thing. Yeah. It's not really done here in Australia. What you're talking about is almost like a, maybe a potential internship that you go and volunteer in this community organisation, gain experience in the community sector. Yeah, absolutely. And then you're much more employable when you start knocking on doors or sending your resume. Yeah, exactly. And look, and the other thing too is that if, um, you know, if, if, if you show your worth while you're volunteering, that potentially an opportunity comes up in that yeah, organisation as well. So, you know, it has multiple benefits. So, you know, I, had, I got to work with some, some really cool people who, you know, kind of opened my eyes to a few things, including, you know, pretend, you know another pathway to achieve what I wanted to achieve. By that stage, I knew that to be successful, um, for me personally, was to get a university degree. I knew that that was going to be able to open a few more doors for me than, than if I didn't. Um, and so I went to TAFE, and then from TAFE, that was, uh, you know, I did a, a two year associate diploma in social science and then ended up doing a social science degree. Cool. Where yeah. did you study? UTS. UTS? Yeah. Excellent. Was that a trek from where you were living, or did you do uh, it? It was. <laughs> it was. Yeah. Um, so it was about, I don't know, 45 minutes. Yep. Uh, drive um, an hour by train, but I didn't mind it. You know, U- UTS is um, uh, is in the heart of, of, of yep. the city, so uh, um, you know, what, what kid at whatever age Doesn't I was. Doesn't want to do that, yeah. Um, yeah, didn't want to 
Well, it's, it's funny, like you and I are a similar age and I reckon uh, your experience at uni is probably similar to mine in terms of you actually had to go and you had to learn and there wasn't the resources like the kids have today on the internet. So it's a totally different experience and <laughs> I loved my experience at uni. Yeah. I loved going to the university and going to lectures and going to the bar and having lunch and meeting new people and, and that whole... I spent too long there, to be honest. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a valuable experience. Yeah, look, it, it was good. For, for me, it was... Um, I didn't have the usual university experience, yeah, okay. uh, and that's not me sort of having a whinge about it. I um, I, uh, I was involved in environmental activism for quite a few years. Okay. I started um, when I was about 19 uh, and um, volunteered uh, on sort of working with uh, environmental campaigns, political campaigns. So when I got to university as a mature age student, I was really my, my head Still. and heart was in, yep. in that work as well. So yeah. so I you know, and the university is in the in the city and I'd walk out the front door of our building and I was, you know, on one of the main streets. So you kind of you know, it's not like you were in a, at a, at a, a nice new, leafy campus. Yeah, and there's you know, there's a central point where people gathered and all that kind of stuff. So I would go off and do do my thing. So I you know, I didn't have your usual sort of university experience, but managed to meet um, um, some great people. Uh, one of which I'm still friends with over 20 years later. Yeah, yeah, it's um, cool. Which is uh, you can't complain about that. But yeah, but you know, it was a really cool university. Um, I chose the degree because um, it was quite different to some of the other social science degrees that were being offered by other universities. Um, and it was more aligned with sort of where I was at and what I wanted to achieve in terms of knowledge. And all so that kind of why did you do the degree? Um, could I, you have gone and got a job in the sector without the degree? Yeah, look, yeah, I, I could have. Mm. Look, to be honest with you, part of it is the prestige, the mm -hmm. being able yep. to say I have a university degree, particularly Completion. where I came from. Absolutely. Um, uh, so to be able to say that I've got, I've been able to achieve that I knew it would have made my parents, and still does, super happy. So that was part of it. Um, but also, I kind of think recognised that I needed to put some structure around my thoughts, uh, and and get you know my my thoughts, my view of the world's been shaped by my personal experience and uh, you know, coming from uh, South America and all that. Um, and so, but a lot of my view of the world was really kind of about how I felt and my emotional response to it. And I wanted to kind of get a little bit more theory and behind mm. it and a little bit more structure. Um, and that's, yeah, part of the reason why, why I went to university, okay. largely because it was cool to be able to say you had a university degree. <laughs> and Put also that. knew, recognised that, you know, it carried some weight, um, maybe not so much these days, but it carried some weight back then in terms yeah. of, you know, access to opportunities uh, work-wise, yeah. Excellent. So you finished the degree. What happens next? Wow, okay. I, um, I, I really busted my guts out working in the environment movement and by the time I finished my degree... So when you say working in the environment movement, were you, were you paid or was it volunteer? No, it was, it was largely voluntary. I yep. did do a... Pa I actually, my last two um, roles were paid, yep. but it was initially for quite a few years. Uh, it was voluntary again and then ended up getting paid work, um, you know, part-time work. Uh, towards the end, um, you know, I'd kind of invested a lot of time and energy into into um, the activities that I was involved in, and by the time I finished my degree, I'd kind of felt like I'd, I, to be honest, with you, I felt like I'd burnt out. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I just wanted to remove myself completely uh, from you know that the intensity of you know 
of working on on full on things or things that you you know you really really care intensely about. So, long story short, I went and worked in a factory for six months. Oh, what you didn't want to do? That's right. <laughs> Ironically, yeah. Um, and I needed the money to be honest with you. Uh, I just sort of moved in with uh, then girlfriend now wife, um, and um, just they cost you money, don't they? Hey, oh, you've no, got to go she, and work in a she, factory. She's never. Cost, she, she's. Uh, <laughs> She actually, uh, she actually much, earns much more than me. So, oh, very good. Um, yeah, very proud of my wife. Uh, so, so yeah. So I, 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 just needed to do something different. I needed to do something that I could just get up in the morning, go and do it. Finish, yeah, shut off. Shut off. Go back home. Um, be her partner. Yeah. Do what you need to do. Yeah, and yeah. And not have to yeah, stress. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Exactly. And have a bit more. So money tell me about, about that. So you did. You left school thinking these are the things I don't want to do. You went and got a degree. Yeah. And then you will go back and do the thing that you did. did. How did you feel about yourself doing that? Were you okay with it? I, I was totally fine with it. Yeah. Um, I was fine with it because um, because I knew why I was doing it. It okay. was very clear. Like it wasn't. And you it, knew it wasn't going to be long term. No, no, no. Absolutely. Yeah. Look, I knew I knew it was a temporary thing. It was. I knew that I needed to do that in order to, um, I guess, reset mm-hmm. for, for want of a better term. Um, I knew that I couldn't. I couldn't go into. Um, a job in my chosen profession unless I had some time away. Like, I, I wasn't... Yeah, really, okay. I, I wasn't going to be of much use to people. Because that's a little bit different to most. Most people yeah. will come out of the degree going, oh, yeah, I know everything now. I'm going to go and work there and I'm going to show them and I'm going to change the world. Whereas you've gone, oh, I'm burnt out. I actually need some time. I'll go and work in a factory and then I'm going to be better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, I was very clear about it. I, um, actually, now that I... That's pretty it, mature to think like that. And hearing you say it, it was, yeah, that was quite <laughs> mature of me, actually. Yeah, I surprised myself. Um, yeah, look, I just knew that, that I needed to be... I needed to be fine um, before I kind of launched myself into, yeah. into uh, something else. Long story short, I, I lasted um, six months. It took about six months before I kind of went, all right, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to... I'm ready to, I guess, to get my, my real job, my yeah. real full-time job. Um, and then I was lucky enough to get a 12-month contract working for a health service mm-hmm. uh, in the Sutherland Shire, worked for a mental health service um, in a partnerships role. Okay. Um, and so part of the volunteer work and some of the paid work that I'd done up until then was very similar. The theme is, has been yeah. all the way through my career. So now you're getting paid to yeah, do Yeah, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's engaging with a range of people, making connections getting people to agree to work together and away we go. Yeah. Um, so they recognised that in, in, you know, in, in the work experience that I had up to that date and did some partnership work and was able to kind of uh, develop a part, uh, partnership with a significant NGO and, and get a, you know, a kind of social and recreation space um, up and running for people who were recovering from um, a, a, an episode of, of poor mental health, if you mm-hmm. like. Um, and uh, and got to do some other stuff uh, in those twelve months. So that was my entry into into, I guess, a, a real job, yep. <laughs> as other people would describe it. Um, and then that was essentially the start of my career. I did twelve months there. Um, it was strictly a twelve month contract. And then I was lucky enough to get a job in local government. Yep. Um, and uh, my first job in local government was at Liverpool Council. And then that kind of brought me much closer into. The environment that I uh, I wanted to be working in, which is essentially community development. Tell me, as a um, outsider, is it hard to work in a local government space in terms of the bureaucracy and time that decisions get to to, to made? Like, I don't. I, I'm 
uh, and I think you're a bit similar, that being dynamic, being able to make stuff happen is what gets me going and gets me up every day. Yeah, yeah. Is it yeah. harder in that sort of local government, yeah, look, government type environment? Um, is that the experience you had or not? Uh, firstly, my experience, I had a great experience. It was a really, I mean, honestly, if in terms of sort of first, you know, first full-time role, yep. like that was a great space Good to go spot. into. Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, yeah, look, it, 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 things took a bit longer than what I was used to, but it's all relative. Yep. Um, and there was more bureaucracy, but we also I had the opportunity because of the size of the organisation and the remit that it had to do some really, really, really interesting big stuff. Things, yeah, 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 really interesting stuff. You know, uh, it was um, it was in a in, in an area in southwest Sydney that had high concentrations of public housing and um, and you know high levels of disadvantage. Awesome people, though really resilient, fantastic people who um, who had a strong sense of community and really wanted to do their bit to to improve. Uh, their, their their neighbourhood and community, but I guess the local government area generally. So, so it was a great introduction. So as you've gone through your career, then you're now at a point where you're in a community housing organisation. Tell me about that moment that you're you're working for government for an agency and you see an ad or you get headhunted or however it is that you get recruited. Why do you go to Hume? Good question. Um, a few reasons. So generally, um, the way that I make choices about where I work and uh, who I work for is largely based on my values mm -hmm. and the kind of work that I want to do. And so people often ask me, you know, um, so what do you want to do? Like, you know, if, I, if I, at any point I'd been considering moving on, for example, that, you know, so what do you want to do? And I'd say, oh, I don't know. I just know that um, if I see it, I'll know if it's right for me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm open to whatever opportunity, as long as it's within the kind of community, yep. general community realm. Um, but I've, if I see it and I feel it and it looks like a great opportunity, and, and particularly if it looks like it's going to be a challenge and I'm going to be able to learn, that, that's the bit for me. When I was leaving FACS, um, it, just, it was almost a logical thing, to be honest with you, okay. because I, by that stage, so this is, I've been at Hume last month, it was four years that I've been at Hume Housing. Um, you know, by that stage, it was very clear. You know, most of my working life had been in social housing communities, um, and that's where I want to be working. That's the space yep. that I want to be working in. Um, so it almost felt, seemed like a logical the right place to go. Yeah, logical next step, and also recognizing that uh, you know uh, the sector's growing, mm -hmm. um, and it was clear back then that the sector was growing, and then there was going to be opportunities for it. Um, that I was I was going to be able to do the kind of work that I wanted to do at the level that I wanted to do it and have a really strong chance of, of having the impact that I wanted to have. Uh, and, and, it's, and, and so it's turned out. Very good. All right. Before we finish up, I want to ask you a couple other questions. Sure. Um, outside of housing, Rodrigo, I've got to know, unfortunately, I've got to know <laughs> a couple of things about you, like that you're a Liverpool fan. <laughs> so we won't hold that against you. Yeah. But football seems to be a passion of yours. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, is that South American flavour? Why, yeah, is, why is football it, your thing? Oh, look, it, um, wow, it's a, it's a great question. Yes, look, it is. It is uh, A lot of it's to do with my background. I was born in Chile and, uh, you know, grew up with it as a, as a cultural thing um, as well as a kind of the predominant sport where I grew up. Um, I just love the game. I mean, I just... Yeah. Um, uh, uh, 
there's no other game that um, there's a few things. There's no other game that 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 takes you on such a full-on ride. Yep. Uh, you know, you get some boring games, and that's what the kind of non-football people focus on. But you know, the, the emotions, the, the the tribal, the the connection, the the passion. Um, the experience, you know, from from low to high to yeah. high to low, within probably a minute. Yeah, um, absolutely. Twenty seconds in the uh, Champions League final, it took, mate. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And look, the other thing I love about football is the way that it, um, the power it has to bring people together. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you know, you like it, it, any walk of life is playing the game. The other great thing about football is it's a lifelong sport. You can mm. start playing that game at four years of age and play until your body just doesn't let you play anymore, yeah. which could be 40, 50, 60 years old. I, yep. I, uh, my, my football team at the moment, the oldest guy I think is, I'd say 65, close to 65. That's awesome. I mean, he's quite limited in working too, but he's still out there really enjoying it and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you know, how many sports are like... Yeah, yeah. 100%. Are you sick of me asking you about Maitland Magpies and how good we're going and telling you all about their success? <laughs> no, I'm not actually. I, if um, I, my knowledge of Maitland before I started this role was almost non-existent, and I've been really, really, really pleasantly surprised um, to to get to know the area, the many wonderful things, including the mighty football team it has. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. What else do you do outside of work? What makes Rodrigo um, tick? Got, um, I've got quite a few passions, actually, um, which I could talk about all day. Um, so motorcycles is a yeah, huge passion. You've got a nice too. Harley that you park here every now and then. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I've, I've, I've wanted a, a Harley since I was a kid and, and lucky enough to, to um, you know, to get my first one when I was about 26. I love, I love riding motorcycles. I, I love Harleys. I have ever since I was a kid. Um, and I, I just... I just love the the, yep. the experience, the, the lifestyle, uh, all that stuff. So that's a huge passion for me, and um, and I've been fortunate that my wife has kind of taken on that passion, and she's got her own Harley, and then and now I've been able to pass that on to my son, and yeah, he cool. rides now as well, and eventually my daughter, my soon to be twelve, um, is convinced that she'll end up <laughs> riding as well. So a little it's way fantastic. So you know, um, that's a strong passion for me. It's actually. Uh, uh, you know, one of the things that kind of helps you survive in the work that we do is self-care. Yeah, and, um, good, good point. Yeah, yeah. So that's, you know, football, uh, riding is a self-care thing for me. You'll notice a difference in me if I'm not riding or riding. Yeah, okay. Uh, not to sound too full on about it. But the other thing, um, the other thing I'm really passionate about is music. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love Any music. certain style? Um, no, I, I quite. A, I don't listen to pop music. Yep. Um, but I'll listen to hard rock, um, blues, funk, soul, uh, Latin American music, uh, reggae. Um, you name it. A uh, whole range of uh, types of music, and I just, I just love music. I need to have music around me all the time. I try to get out as much as I can to watch bands yeah, or life. watch a few bands, um, yeah, cool. my bands, you know, during the year. So yeah, so I've got a, a, I've got quite a few things that. What about the um, environmental activism? You still involved in that? No, no, I kind of gave. I I, I stopped that. Um, I stopped that uh, quite a few years ago. Um, not long after my son was born, my oldest, and um, and coincidentally, I also started working full time as well. And, trying to kind of get my career going. I just kind of found that I'd run out of 
yeah, energy. our time and energy and, and, um, and struggled with the uh, reconciling not being actively involved for, for quite a while and then yeah. realised I'm actually still actively involved by the kind of work that I do. But, yeah. um, so now, look, I, I then sort of um, got involved in, in politics for yep. a bit. Um, I ran uh, in a couple of state elections. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did that go? Um, look, it was interesting. I, I ran for, for the Greens in southwest Sydney and um, at that time, this is quite a while ago, um, at that time, you know, the Greens were really uh, working on sort of building their profile and trying to um, kind of break out of the, the view that it's just about the environment yep. and, um, and trying to kind of get across to a broader audience and, and, and a broader range of communities of people who were involved with at the time. Um, weren't necessarily people who grew up in uh, the areas that I grew up in, and but they recognised the need to kind of make that connection with people, et cetera, et cetera. So it was great. I mean, I'd never done anything like it. I, I, um, it was a great experience. I, I managed to pick up the boat quite significantly, Good. even though it wasn't huge numbers. It was just a, it was an interesting. Yeah, I could imagine. Yeah, uh, learning experience. Yeah, yeah, and then, um, and then as as kind of my career progressed and the types of jobs. Uh, that I was doing got more intense and uh, particularly around sort of responsibility and second child came along and I kind of, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, so we've got Time Machine in our podcast. Yeah. We're going to rewind the clock to 20-year-old Rodrigo. If you could go back to 20-year-old and give him some advice today, give him what you know, what would that advice be? This is an awesome question and, and it's the first time I've been asked this, Craig, to be honest with you. I don't know. I don't know if I'd be giving myself advice. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I guess I'd be. Maybe you can classify this as advice. More sort of reassurance. Yeah. Good. And the reassurance would be this. Um, I uh, that I'm I'm really glad that I stuck to my guns. You know, I knew I knew what I wanted to do, or what that I wanted to have an impact. I guess in this world. Yep. And I didn't waver from it. So you'd be going back to 20-year-old and saying, it's okay, you're yeah. going to be successful, you're going to do the things that you're passionate about. Yeah. Well done, stay in the course. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it'd be almost like a, um, you know, like a little bit of a pat on the back and go, yeah. good on you for kind of sticking to your guns, sticking to kind of your values and, and persisting and, you know, and the fact that you uh, stayed true to those values and... Um, and, and that view of the world, if you like, or particularly the values, like it served you well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it would be a, more of a pattern of back to go, good on you for, for being stubborn. Love it. Excellent. <laughs> good persistent. answer. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today on our podcast, and I'm sure I'm going to get you to a Magpies game soon. Uh, you certainly will. Thanks, <laughs> Cheers. Mate. Thanks, Rodrigo. Thanks, mate. Thanks for listening to the Career Conversations podcast brought to you by Hunter Recruitment Group and Special thanks to our guest today, Rodrigo Gutierrez. It was a great conversation and I hope you got something out of it. If you'd like to learn more about Rodrigo, we'll leave his LinkedIn profile URL in the show notes. If you've been inspired and would love to find out more about the roles and opportunities that are available with Hume Community Housing, please check out our website, which is hrgroup.com.au. If you love listening to this podcast and you're a first-time listener, Again, go to our website and check out the podcast link or you can subscribe via Apple at Podcasts and listen to some of the great conversations we've had in the past with individuals from all walks of life and we talk about how they've got to where they are in their career. 
Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Until next time, I'm Craig McGregor from Hunter Recruitment Group.